This episode of the Kick Knowledge Podcast is powered by rapanalysis.com. All right, we have a very special guest on the episode, on this episode of the Kick Knowledge Podcast today, uh, and we're absolutely thrilled to be able to talk to him. He's the creator and host of the critically acclaimed hip-hop podcast, The Cypher, which is renowned for its in-depth interviews with some of the most important people in hip-hop music and culture. Uh, just to give you an idea, he had Ice-T as a guest on his show only a few weeks ago. And uh, aside from his work on The Cypher, he used to be the editor-in-chief of Rap Genius, so we're definitely talking to a hip-hop powerhouse. Um, please give it up for none other than Sean Sotero. Thank you. Hey, how you, how, you, how you doing, guys? How are you doing, Sean? It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, likewise. Um, yeah, so uh, Martin Connor put us in touch. Um, and uh, um, you guys obviously uh, go, go a while back, I guess. Uh, he was a guest on the show before, uh, a few mm -hmm. months back, I think. Um, and just before we start, uh, we I think Zach and I, I can speak for both of us, we're really big fans of The Cypher. And it's one, oh, yeah. of, it's one of our main influences in... Um, it's, a, it's a big influence on our own podcast, and it's... Uh, it's part of the reason why we figured, hey, this is actually a cool thing to be doing, to be talking about hip-hop like this. First off, thank you. That is amazing to hear. I, I truly appreciate that. All right, yeah. Um, well, <laughs> well, thank you, actually, for the content. But, um, yeah. So, I guess we can just start off with kind of the basics of, like, what got you into, I guess, it, I don't know, I'm... Like, what got you into hip-hop? What got you into music journalism? Like, just kind of starting. Yeah, how did you start? If that's where we can start, we can start there, you know? Sure. I mean, like like any, really any question period, as I found from <laughs> researching stuff, it's a long, circuitous route. Uh, the short answer is, or as short as I can make it, is I was always into rap. Uh, I became more and more obsessed with it starting when I was in college. Uh, mm -hmm. I was in music school and studying jazz all the time and mm. spent my waking hours obsessed with how did musician X do that? Uh, can I do something similar? And rap exercised different parts of my brain. Those concerns weren't primary. You know, it was something I could listen to for fun without the pressure of having to make it. And so I just grew that started me listening to it. And then I just got more and more obsessed uh, as time went on. You know, I grew up listening to a ton of it, but sort of in concert with other things. Uh, starting when I was in college, it became more a bigger and bigger percentage of my listening diet, as it were. Mm -hmm. And then I guess, you know, I'd done music journalism when I was younger and then put it away for a while as a musician. And then in, I think, late 2009, I discovered a website then called Rap Exegesis, uh, named quickly changed because no one could spell exegesis or knew what it meant. And being involved in that so early gave me lots of opportunities to interview artists, to write, to think about rap music and lyrics critically. And that kind of started this current phase yeah awesome well, it's it's funny i kind of had like a similar experience kind of getting into like getting into rap like as i guess like an academic but um like because i was for my undergrad and i guess for my master's right now too like i did i was did i did and i'm still doing music but i read the i mean i've all, I'd always kind of been into hip-hop like most of my life and then i i found the book how to rap by uh paul edwards oh, Paul's right? book, yeah. yeah of course yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and i read that and i was like like that changed my life i was like oh my god like this is a thing that people like study and like i didn't it's just this it opened up this whole world that i didn't even know existed and then from then on i just sort of became 
especially more and more the sequel obsessed. is amazing just like oh yeah yeah, yeah. Like, because in the in the first one he has to go like over the basics which is like which is cool but we like being a hip-hop head you know about that most of it you know but um like the second one is like it's a really it's really relevant for my own research but we don't have to talk about that right, right now but yeah right. that's a that's a great that's a great way to get interested in uh in sort of a scholarly or or, or sort of that perspective on hip-hop i guess yeah definitely um, yeah so that, that's um, the that's the sort of short capsule version of the right, story right so where'd you uh, where'd you go to college I went to the Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Mm, Fantastic cool. institution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if not the best. <laughs> that's, uh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I, was, uh, I was in Boston a few, um, few weeks ago. Yeah, in January. And um, working with... Um, uh, I was meeting Murray Foreman, the hip-hop scholar um, at Northeastern University. And uh, um, after I gave a talk there, we, um, we went to Wally's the oh of course the jazz club right of exactly course. Yeah, yeah. like a hole in the wall but beautiful amazing musicians and um mm-hmm. and then i realized that was because they all were sort of berkeley um uh that was their alma mater basically mm-hmm. so um yeah, so, um, that, yeah. Phew, that's amazing um what were the artists that sort of sparked your attention um when you fell in love with hip-hop well i I guess I'll put it like this. Um, I quickly, quickly, well before, you know, it, thinking about music this way found its way to a website. Uh, one, the thing that obsessed me about hip hop more than any particular artist, although there were certainly plenty of those, was this idea of rap as a mosaic. Uh, what I mean by that is, mm. you know, uh, Jay-Z will say something and what he's doing is, you know, putting his own spin on a Snoop Dogg lyric, which in turn is, you know, referencing an old song by the DOC, which in turn is like, you know, he's mimicking the scratching on a, you know, of a, you know, of a Kumo D record or something. So right, like right. those kinds of, uh, I don't know if I quite describe that process right, but you get the idea of these kinds of connections going back one or two or three or four generations Later. of the music. Mm-hmm. And I was fascinated with the idea that the more that I listened and the more that I learned, uh, stuff would shift and change. Meanings would shift and change. Layers of meaning would reveal themselves to me uh, that I hadn't known about before. Uh, this was true both lyrically and musically, uh, in terms of like samples, sometimes are chosen because they sound cool. Sometimes they are chosen because they sound cool, and there is some sort of significance to where they are yeah, sampled because of what from. they represent. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And so that only becomes apparent kind of the more you learn, right? Especially with the whole sampling thing. I mean, that's kind of been the bulk of my research is just sampling hip hop. And it's almost like there's this like repertoire now of like specific samples that people just know, you know, that like, I remember watching a, um, I'm trying to think it was a quest love. Uh, it, it was for Red Bull music Academy. And he was talking about, he was talking about something similar or like with, with sampling. It's just like, whether it's like with lyrics or with like, you know, production and the actual beat itself, like, there's all these references that like, I mean, you, especially when you go on websites like who, who and all that, like you can just, just this rabbit hole basically that you can kind of just fall into mm-hmm. and like sample chains. Know, yeah. And, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Sure. So I think, you know, there were plenty of artists that I loved. A lot of the artists that I loved, I think in fact, uh, were kind of built to my mind specifically for that process. Uh, Jay-Z, for example, you know, as someone who references not even a ton of other artists, although he does that plenty, but it's more that within his own catalog, he is spinning mm-hmm. a single story and he can reference mm-hmm. an event he referenced or a lyric he spat four or five or six albums ago. I thought I told you, Cat, because I'm not a rapper. Can I live? I told you, 96, that I came to take this shit and I did handle my bitch. And yeah. it's just like, you know, keep up, you know? Um, so those kinds of dynamics 
obsessed me. And I think in some ways I gravitated to artists who had that kind of consistency throughout their catalog, viewing it as sort of a single continuous story. Yeah, definitely. Artists who do stuff like that makes sort of the replay value really high for their music, right? Because you're like, like, like listening to a new album makes you think of the previous work and then you start digging into that again and you start finding new layers that you might not have known about. Um, but I guess, I guess Jay-Z does do that kind of often though, maybe not as much as others, but of course he mentions Biggie a lot, um, quotes a lot of Biggie lyrics. Uh, his, one of his best, his biggest songs, 99 Problems is, um, references Ice-T, of course. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I I love that about hip hop or the, um, uh, what's the line? Um, I take seven MCs, put them in a line. I take seven MCs, put them in a line, and add seven more brothers who think they can rhyme. Well, it'll take seven more before I go for mine. Now that's 21 MCs, eight up at the same time. The Rakim line that was, mm-hmm. that was redone oh, yeah, yeah. by, well, by Eminem for one, but by like a dozen other uh, right. rappers in the meantime. I take seven from in line, add an AK-47, a revolver, a nine, a Mac 11 in an order, solve the problem of mine, and that's a whole school of bullies shot up all the one time. Sure, that, that was definitely one of the, one of the uh, obsessions for me, was, yeah, was this idea of a mosaic and this idea of, like, hey, sort of the more you put into it, the more you get out in terms of understanding, you know, what's, what's going on. Yeah. So, um, about podcasting, um, sure. was, um, was the Cyphers that your first podcast? It is. Uh, it had a different name wow, you originally. Just, you just went straight for gold, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I mean, the Cypher has undergone many different shifts uh, over the years. It started in 2012, more or less by accident. I had done mm. an interview with Jean Grey, who is one of my favorite artists, uh, and someone I, I am lucky enough to finally now, in part because of this initial interview, consider a personal friend. Um, I'd done an interview with her, and the original plan was to cut it up into tiny pieces and you know put it in different places on a on a website. Yeah. But the whole thing, you know, went great, played great as a piece, and it was my you know then girlfriend now you know partner, wife, whatever, uh, Nicole was the one who suggested to use it as a podcast. Uh, Mm, I wasn't entirely sure what a podcast was. (laughs) So I asked some tech savvy friends and they, you know, my friend helped me set it up and said, you know, go to this company and here's how you do it and do the thing. And, you know, originally the podcast had a slightly different format. Uh, there were not the, you know, voiceovers and song clips. It was right, right. more or less just a, a, you know, whatever conversation we had just ran more or less unedited beginning to end. And, you know, it was distributed through the place I used to work. And then uh, at a certain point after episode, I think starting in episode 75, you know, it was completely independent and we slowly started shifting it into the format that it is now. One of the things that really stands out about your, uh, about the cipher is to me, at least is, um, sort of the, um, production value of it. Um, like, whereas, and I think our podcast is sort of a little bit in between this, but like where there's a lot of podcasts that are just like press, like press record, and just roll the tape and that's the podcast and then there's others like yours so the other spectrum which are very like well crafted in the sense that um every every sort of lyric that's mentioned is played uh or if there's a if there's a reference that the interviewee makes then then like the voiceover explains the reference and it's it's very well produced and it's i think that's part of like um, we do that a little bit um, inspired by you guys. Um, like, oh, yeah. well, well, thank you. That That is a lot of credit on that end is due to Josh Cross, the producer of the show. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. childhood friend of mine who stepped in, you know, and after the first 
I don't know, a couple episodes in a pinch and has really made the show as much as his as it is mine. You know, he's the one who sort of brought the, uh, the aesthetic of we are going to make this as good production wise as, awesome. you know, Invisibilia or whatever, you know, so how does, um, how does the process, how, how do you guys work together making these episodes, making these uh, interviews work like this? So, uh, I will do all the research in advance, come mm -hmm. up with, you know, scores of pages of notes, boil that down to more questions than I possibly have time to ask, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, figure out literally the, what I want to start with and just kind of go from there. Uh, we'll record the interview and then, uh, there will be, you know, I will listen back and say, you know, at this point, we insert this lyric. At this point, you know, we have a voiceover. Uh, Josh will go through and, you know, tweak the wording. And if I don't include a voiceover for something that he thinks should be included, or mm -hmm. I do include something that he thinks is glaringly obvious, you know, he'll adjust those. And, you know, he does, he and, uh, and we also have, you know, someone who is very generous and, uh, and helps us uh, with some of our editing as well, uh, which is, which is very, very nice. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm very, you know, we're very grateful to have a good team uh, helping us out. So, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's basically, you know, Josh oversees a lot of the uh, editing and then Rob, uh, who is a great guy. He does a lot of the, a lot of the sort of, close editing stuff uh with which josh oversees and then josh will go in and do the voiceovers and add the song clips and all of that kind of stuff that's that's nice yeah, yeah. it's really cool to be working in a team like that um yeah, um, yeah. And, and i think a lot a lot of it honestly just you know comes from our various aesthetics you know i am mm -hmm. a person who is nervous if i am not thorough if i'm not prepared right um and i also get bored quickly in, in the sense that I don't want to hear an artist or any interviewee tell an anecdote that I know they've told 17 times before because mm -hmm. of my preparation. I've read them tell it 17 mm -hmm. times before. Right. So you'd rather ask about them telling about the anecdote than the anecdote itself, because that's sort of out there already in a sense. Yeah. And, and, and this is one way in which the, the voiceovers are, I have found to be necessary because it is much easier to add them later than to interrupt the flow of the conversation to explain to an audience who is not in the room something that the person I'm talking to knows. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's my that's one of my favorite parts of the whole the cipher podcast is the little like annotations because there'll be even times where I'm like, wait, what track are they talking? And, the, and then like the annotation comes in, I'm like, oh yeah, 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 that's right. And then it just makes the flow of it like so just. Brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, kind of going off on that note, and we might have kind of, I guess, sort of already addressed this. So, what specifically do you like about the podcast format, and compared to like other f like forms of like online content creation or platforms right. or like other forms of like journalism? I guess I find the interview format for me very mm -hmm. natural, very comfortable. Yeah. And I like that with a podcast, I don't have to cut it down to 30 minutes. Mm, yeah. I don't have to worry about picking the best stuff or the stuff that is most likely to get retweets or shares or go viral or mm. whatever. Uh, I treat every time I sit down with someone as if it's going to be the first and last time I talk to them. Uh, mm. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, but I always try to treat it as if, you know, hey, this is my archived interview with this person that, you know, hopefully will be as valuable in 20 years as it is now. Other forms of media, I think, can be more tied to, you know, an album cycle or right. something right. dropping. And there is a pressure to make it a little more of the moment, a little more temporary. Yeah. Uh, so I like the completeness of a podcast. I like honestly the control of it. Um, yeah, those are those are some things, and and I love 
radio. So I think, you know, doing something that is like radio, but without the time limits uh, is great. Yeah. Plus like the podcast isn't live. So you have the opportunity to like add all these um, annotations, uh, music clips, et cetera, in there. Um, Yeah. That's, I mean, mostly for me personally, what I love most about the, about podcasts is that it's the one platform out there that I'm aware of, at least that um, allows for in-depth discussions that Mm -hmm. doesn't, like, um, if an artist Absolutely. shows up on TV and you get a five minute interview and it's always, and it, you like, even that five minute interview really feels staged, um, mm-hmm. probably is staged, you know? And it's like, I, I don't really get anything out of that. Whereas podcasts, like due to their nature, you can consume them while you're on the train, while you're on the go or yeah working out or whatever it is that you're doing and actually they can make you think and experience uh experience an interview or a conversation in a really in-depth way and that's that's definitely what drew me to um to podcasting and yeah. uh I think uh, and, and people people especially artists adding a camera adds a level of self-consciousness yeah mm, uh, yeah if yeah, there sure. are two for some people, I, I don't want to, you know, say that across the board, but there are definitely situations where I will talk to people and I get the idea that because there are no cameras, they can be a little more relaxed. Mm, yeah. yeah. You yeah, know, it's almost like you're just hanging out at, at somebody's home and just talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get more like a conversational vibe rather than uh, a performance, maybe. So you mentioned that you come up with uh, tens of dozens of pages of notes before you um, start the interview, before you actually record the uh, the interview for your podcast. Um, which, which, uh, by the way, patrons uh, patrons of the cipher can access if you oh, uh, if you support oh, the show at a certain level. Um, you get, oh, you get the show. You, you, get can, the show you, can, you can get you can get the raw notes if you you know dare. <laughs> that is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so you're uh, uh, so um, you can support uh, the cipher on um, on, on Patreon, Patreon right? Patreon.com yeah. slash the cipher show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So please, listeners, if you enjoy the show, like show your support. Um, yes, they de- they definitely deserve it. Um. But yeah, so pages and pages of show note like preparation notes. Um, how do you actually prepare for each episode? Because you mentioned you don't want to ask about an anecdote that's been told before. So I'm assuming you thoroughly prepare um, for these. Yeah, days. I mean, I don't necessarily want to give away all my secrets. Uh, but, <laughs> sure. you know, sure. but I try to listen. Well, I'll just say I try to read and listen as much as time allows, you know, yeah. up until the day before the interview, at which point I will stop taking notes and start writing questions. Right. A good, I don't think I'm blowing up anyone's spot by saying one good thing to do is to check out other interviews. Uh, this subject has done. Yeah. You know, totally uh, good, yeah. reading them, listening to them, that will give you both things they are asked about a lot. And sometimes things that maybe they mention once and then let slide that maybe deserve a little uh, edification or, or elaboration or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And just a lot of listening. Uh, you know, if it is a, if it is someone who makes music, right. Mm-hmm. If it is a producer or rapper or uh, instrumentalist or someone in that world, uh, just a lot of listening to try to figure out style and patterns and, uh, and things of that nature mm-hmm. and, yeah, and maybe yeah. progression over time. I, I will try to listen more or less in chronological order when possible uh, to, and that I find helps settle me in, in a person's growth. That is yeah. not always possible if it's someone who has, you know, 35 albums or something, but you know, <laughs> I try. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. It's, I remember when we, before like, Right before we interviewed Eric Sermon um, recently, because we had found out only like a few days before we actually like interviewed him, mm-hmm. 
that was we like going to be interview him interview yeah him. yeah that happened and it was like, that certainly happened to me yeah yeah and i was like i gotta get on i gotta get on his this whole discography and like i barely even like slept that whole like few days all i did was like <laughs> all of his solo stuff all the epmd stuff all the def squad stuff i was like oh and then i don't i yeah i <laughs> i definitely relate to that of like trying mm-hmm. to like prepare yourself as much as you possibly can yeah yeah and and things will uh be helpful in way even if they don't necessarily lead to a question yeah. right uh having someone's catalog in your head or thoughts about someone's style will show up in ways maybe you hadn't even anticipated and mm-hmm. uh, people will subjects will pick up on that yeah yeah i guess so and it's like i feel like they can probably tell um how how knowledgeable you are of of their work and i'm assuming it's appreciated uh, in general generally speaking if yes generally speaking absolutely because uh, you know, what i've seen for the cypher a bunch of reviews or like responses are um like this is the most thorough thoroughly prepared or researched interview i've ever done and um th- that's sort of like the um uh the responses you read from from artists who've been on your show and uh and i I think that's really that's fair and i think that's for for artists that's really attractive because it must happen to them like 90 percent of their interviews they're probably talking to somebody who hardly knows uh, who they're dealing with maybe even um yeah if if, uh, to, to use a recent example uh my most recent episode uh, with evidence, right? Yeah. Uh, right before I talked to him, he had done an interview with someone who shall remain nameless, who said, "Oh, you produced for Kanye. What have, what have you been doing since then?" Uh, the song he produced for Kanye, for context, was in two thousand four. Mm. So <laughs> you know that's that's an example of what artists are dealing with a lot of the time when it comes to interviews. Uh, is so. What do you think of the guy who's your friend who's more famous than you? Or, you know, things of that ilk. So just, you know, if I get a, you know, I've never been asked that before. Uh, that's what I, that's what I aim for. Yeah, and yeah, artists definitely. and other interview subjects tend to appreciate that for the most yeah. part. So um, after, what is it? At least over 200 episodes, yeah. right? 230 mm-hmm. something? Yeah, about 200, 220 something right around there. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you ever get starstruck interviewing your guests? Because I know that Zach and I, um, well, actually, <laughs> right now we're kind of doing that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, do you ever get starstruck? Do you ever get, like, holy shit, I'm talking to one of my idols or one of my favorite musicians right now? Um, does that ever happen? Or is that after 200 episodes, it's like, whether it's Jay-Z or this random guy from whatever, um, would that still make a difference? No, I mean, there are definitely situations where there are nerves. Sure. Uh, but after that many episodes, I am much more used to talking to people, you know, <laughs> who I yeah. admire or grew up listening to or, or what have you. But there, there are definitely times. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, there are also moments where in the middle of an interview, uh, I wouldn't think that I would be particularly, I d- didn't feel, you know, starstruck or nervous at the outset, but I just will sit back and be like, I can't believe that this is happening or <laughs> wow, it's crazy that I'm talking to this person or whatever, uh-huh. you know, um, you know, being recording an interview with Ice-T at his house, you know, was certainly an example of that. You know? Right, right. Yeah, it starts yeah. off. It's in um, you. You really set the scene talking about his cars and that you can see New York from there. Right. It's, it was in Jersey, right? Yes. 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 I, I don't want to give any more detail than that, but I, I will no, say no, it was sure. in it was in Northern New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Obviously, we're not giving away. <laughs> yeah. One of my yeah. favorite recent, or I guess more recent episodes, relatively recent episodes of the Cipher is the interview you did with uh curtis blow like oh my god like that was so cool like just hearing 
I don't, I don't know, just hearing kind of the early days of hip-hop, you know, like, that was just fascinating to me, mm. like, that whole... Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that like, was that was fun. That was uh, that was one that we'd been trying to make happen for a while, and very glad it did. It was also uh, a time where an artist was late, and there was no, and I could not, and I was completely not mad at all, because as I think I mentioned in the episode, he was actually doing a jailhouse ministry, and that's why he was late. Mm. So it was just like, yeah, you can be as late as you want. Like that's yeah. that's a perhaps the best excuse I've ever heard for being late to an interview. Yeah, for real. Oh, wow. <laughs> Is there? Uh, you mentioned Curtis Blow was somebody you've been trying to get on the show for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, is there? Is there anyone that you've been? trying to get on the show for for years and already in that it's just not happening or is there anyone that you would like who's the holy grail that you're still looking for there uh, are there are definitely a few holy grails uh i have mine josh has his uh we have a few that we've actually gotten mm-hmm. uh and but i would say you know getting chuck d would be uh you know, Chuck D and, and Doom, I think, are, you know, two of the biggest, uh, you know, wish list people. Yeah. For, you know, perhaps perhaps more Chuck for, for me and more Doom for Josh, but certainly both, you know, for both of us. Yeah. Um, you know, Chuck was a huge influence on me growing up uh, aesthetically, politically, uh, every kind of imaginable way, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the sort of second, third and fourth publicly public enemy albums were incredibly influential to me. Uh, I remember Definitely meeting definitely. professor Griff back in like 2004 mm-hmm. and being, you know, being blown away even by, you know, being around someone who was on those records, even if it was just mm-hmm. to say a few words yeah. here and there. Um, yeah, and I, I've had other people in the public enemy camp, uh, members of the couple members of the bomb squad, and mm, yeah, you know yeah. people who went, you know, uh, the Dr. Dre, the New York Dr. Dre, who who went to college with Chuck. Yeah, uh, that's right. So it is in the works slowly, and it will happen someday. It just it just has not yet. Uh, Doom is of course a difficult get for anyone. Uh, we have reached out to his people and there has been you know there have been responses but it it is not uh it has not happened yet not yet no well i really hope you do get both of them on actually so would you say we're sort of trying to do this thing um on the show where we um ask our guests whenever we have guests on um what their Top five greatest of all time rappers and producers are. I'm assuming Chuck D would definitely be up there, considering he's your holy grail. I mean, uh, that would that would be you know. These are such difficult questions. I know they're the worst. Uh, They're absolutely the worst questions ever. (laughs) And there are things that moved me about Chuck D and what he said and did that I think are. Uh, related to things that you might think about when considering a good rapper. There are also plenty of things he did uh, that, you know, aren't necessarily related to that. I, I don't, I don't quite know if I'm being clear, but I feel like his influence was in being, you know, someone who said the things he said mm. In, in the way that he said them and not so much in the like, damn, I can't believe, you know, peace spit this incredible, you know, metaphor that I, exactly. you know, yeah. you know that yeah. has, has three layers or whatever, you know. His, his um, greatness doesn't exactly come from the com- complexity of his rhyme schemes or something. Or, um, right. Or, uh, but, right, but, which, which, is, which is not to disown them. I think he has his own incredibly unique way of delivering stuff that you know in some in a lot of cases i'm still working through i don't think i fully understand it by any means mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, definitely yeah yeah so, 
top five. Okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. You know this, I, is, I give, this is so I, hard I, because once I, you've I, formed a top five, you you immediately regret. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Regret everything. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. And so let me say, uh, give somewhat of a dodge here by saying that I think of kind of a Mount Rushmore of rappers. Sure. Mm. Okay. Uh, which is to say four figures without whom, like, we would not, who are sort of foundational. Sure. Which I hope, which, thinking about it now, I hope, like, that becomes a real thing, like an actual Mount Rushmore. I, I would love yeah, it. Would I would amazing. love it. <laughs> yes. You know, I would consider, uh, you know, Karras, Kane, uh-huh. Rakam, and G-Rap. Yeah. To be these sort of four figures who represent, you know, four kind of slightly different uh, influential paths. They all have their antecedents, of course. I think you can trace, you know, Kaz and Mel and, and Modi and whomever. You can see, like, oh, you know, this one is influenced by this one and so forth. But I think, like, those four kind of form templates for a lot of guys. Exactly. Yeah. If you sort of make a family tree, I guess, or, of, like, influence in hip-hop, mm-hmm. they'd they'd be in separate categories and um yeah i i can i don't know i i really have no zach do you agree like that's just a that's just a good mount rushmore hip-hop especially for like yeah i mean i i I don't i I am sure that i did not make that up i can't remember the the source of the (laughs) you know of the metaphor right now but i you know to people listening i i claim no credit for coming up with either those four people or the idea of them being like a mount rushmore of of rappers, uh, I just probably heard it somewhere, and I, I don't remember the source. No. Uh, but <laughs> but I agree with it. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, so I feel like those people certainly enter into any conversation of you know top MCs because of both their skill and and their influence. Influence, yeah. But there are also a lot of people I love who, you know, have not, if only because they are younger or, you know, more idiosyncratic, uh, don't have the influence, but who I love listening to and maybe in some cases more listening to more than some of the people on that Mount, that Mount mm-hmm. Rushmore. Uh, Jean Grey is certainly in that. Pharaoh right. uh, Munch, Boots Riley. Uh, Zero out of Houston is a personal favorite. Mm, um, yeah. Jay-Z is up there. Um, you know, pre-encore Eminem, even, <laughs> I would say, is, uh, you know, was someone, is someone I, I would put in that kind of upper echelon. Uh, Agreed. There are, there are a million people I'm forgetting, and I'm certain I will, I will kick myself and send you guys frantic <laughs> emails with <laughs> lists of names. Um, we'll make like an addendum. <laughs> These are the yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the 14,000 people Sean forgot because he was on the spot. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, those, you know, those, are, those are a couple, and I think that's a, that's a not terrible kind of regional uh, thing with enough kind of uh, you know, regional flavor in it. I am obviously as someone who's lived on the East coast my entire life in, in yeah. the Northeast, yeah. you know, in the, in the, you know, uh, Northeast corridor my whole life. It is any kind of list I think has a Northeast bias, but yeah, yeah. you know, try to get beyond that when I can. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, like I was, I was in Brooklyn for four months, and now I'm currently in LA for a few months before I go back to the Netherlands. But um, um, like the moment I arrived in LA, I started appreciating G Funk, and um, I started appreciating West Coast hip hop more. Mm-hmm. And it's like I was listening exclusively to like New York '90s New York hip hop when I was on the East Coast, and then the moment I like I set foot in California and I um pressed like I I like I kept playing the song the the album that I was playing before uh and it was I think it was it was definitely New York um and it's just it just doesn't feel right right now so I mean it like, makes a lot of sense that all of your you know 
the the people yeah. that you mentioned are sort of from from that region i guess sure that, that is a new york centric list certainly yeah, but yeah. yeah yeah absolutely i i think that's interesting and that's got me thinking like what, what do you think about like especially in this day and age where it's like it seems like everything is kind of in this online landscape and yet it, i find it interesting that there's still kind of local scenes you know that exist yeah, I, I worry that, about this a lot. I don't have a, you know, I don't have any kind of answer about, like, mm-hmm. how is the internet affecting regionalism in mm-hmm. rap? It's something I've written about before. I wrote a piece for it about The Observer a yeah. uh, year or two ago. Um, I worry that the internet is, is flattening out local scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also worry sometimes that that's not something that I should be worrying about, that it's sort of <laughs> the march of history and not particularly something that I should be hand-wringing over. Um, but yeah, I, I am not the only one. I've talked to plenty of people who have concerns that, you know, what used to be distinct regional differences are collapsing mm-hmm, um, because definitely. of where people are getting music that, you know, everything has and this was sort of the upshot of the observer piece i wrote was kind of like the conclusion maybe was a little quick because it's an article and so you have to have a conclusion right mm-hmm. uh, but through the conclusion i came to was that this idea of local scenes is collapsing instead what you have is kind of one particular mainstream sound that takes elements of what used to be considered Atlanta base and what used to be considered Memphis mm, and right. what used to be considered, you know, whatever that is, is sort of a, a hodgepodge of different mm-hmm. things that are different regional influences. Now this is, this is, uh, it's funny. My, um, PhD research, a big chunk of it revolves around how regional rap styles are related to regional accents. Um, how sort of the language influences. Right, the, so what the, what the hell are you asking me for? <laughs> and, uh, and it's like, and and really, I've limited my my data collection to uh, to sort of to sort of the '90s, early 2000s era because after that, there's there's like, it just as my theory doesn't hold like there there is no um, because like you said and probably because of the internet, um, it all there's this super regional kind of thing going on right now in hip hop and. Um, but it's it's interesting to me that I'm not the only one who's <laughs> who's thought about this at least, or mm-hmm. definitely noticed, but thought about it. It makes me feel less alone. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like interesting because we've definitely talked about this, or you know, along the lines of the subject. Yeah. On this podcast before, whether it's just with me and Stephen or with whoever we're interviewing, and it's just interesting seeing sort of the variety of different, I guess, opinions and answers and. It's like the more I talk about it, the more it's just becoming more and more of an interesting subject to me. Because I think the one, I guess, downside of that is because is as the internet becomes more and more of a mainstay within, I guess, just sort of popular music in general, general, but especially within like regional, you know, rap subgenres and mm-hmm. and whatnot. It, it's becoming more of this i guess sort of this like amorphous blob where it's just everyone's just kind of sounding kind of like each other but then they're not from like they might sound like they're from atlanta but then they're not so then it's like and then that becomes a problem because so much of i feel like hip-hop culture is like keeping it real and being authentic and then there are times where that isn't the case so then it's just this like oh like it's like that aspect is sort of disappearing a little bit in hip-hop yeah and it's like I mean, I don't have a, any sort of definitive answer for whether that's no. like a good thing or a bad thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, part of my day job, as it were, at Complex is sort of trying to keep track of what is going on in the genre now. Yeah. And that's, a, you know, that is something that kind of keeps me humble, right? And keeps mm-hmm. me saying like, you know what, I don't get this, but... My working assumption is that the problem is not with Migos or Lil Yachty or Brockhampton or whatever. The problem is with me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, let's find a point of reference. Let's find out what they are trying to do. Let's find out what their terms are Mm -hmm. and go from there. I mean, 
um, in in a sense, the fact that um, people like yourself, but Zach and me as well, um, that we're like surprised or not always happy about what's happening, what's changing in hip hop culture. That um, in a sense, I mean, that's like a that's testament. A, that's a- it's a good thing for one thing like i'm you know uh, exactly. 41 like years old like it's, it's it shouldn't of, i, of I shouldn't like what a uh, 12 14 year old likes you know exactly yeah in, <laughs> yeah in a sense it's like a testament to the vitality of hip-hop because mm-hmm. i mean how many genres can you name that started over 40 years ago and that are still changing because like most genres have evolved into completely different genres and um i mean jazz is still amazing but um, well, it's not dead. It just smells funny. And um, <laughs> Isn't that dad, oh, Frank Zappa? <laughs> yeah, it's something that my dad always used to tell me. And, and for some reason, hip-hop's still changing. So in a, in, a, in a way, that's good. But it's also, you know, um, yeah, I totally feel what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So I know we, you ha- you're, um, we have to let you go in a few minutes. And there's mm-hmm. one more thing that I'm definitely interested in. So we talked about your... We asked for top five. We got a Mount Rushmore of MCs. Um, right. I gave you a dodge the question as yes. best I could. So, so can, yeah. What shoot. about your Mount Rushmore of hip hop producers? Oh, wow. Um, man. I think. Uh, that is a very good question. Uh, the bomb squad would absolutely be on there. Let's count that as one entity for yeah, the, sure. for the yeah, sake sure. of argument. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting um, uh, Mount Rushmore. We need a big, right, big mountain. <laughs> right, really big mountain of like, you know, there's four guys over here. And one, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Marley Marl, mm-hmm. I would say, yeah. would, would have to be on there. Uh, just so much of his work, mm-hmm. you know, is, is so iconic. Yeah. Um, every time, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, no, but course, like every time on. I see like, any sort of list online of like best hip hop producers and like Marley Marl isn't on there. I'm like, no, no, it's not. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> wrong. But yeah. 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 Spent one episode that. discussing that. I think, and we're not happy mm-hmm. about the outcome. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> A list like yeah I mean, wow. Uh, I mean, geez, I don't even know where you would, where you would kind of, uh, end this list. Like there are people who I, love personally uh like just blaze mm. you know um or manny fresh um but you know there's also people who i think maybe didn't do a ton of work but did it at a crucial time mm. uh, someone like paul c i think falls into that category right, right um right. yeah man i don't know there's there are Dre and, you know, by, by extension, I think, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of West coast guys, certainly Dre got a lot of influences from different places. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Uh, like, uh, uh, cold one eight seven from above the law who was, you know, arguably the inventor of g-funk but dre is the person yeah. who made it pop who made it to uh, the yeah took it to the next level i guess took it, to, like took it to the next level made it you know pop as in as in popular and and yeah successful yeah commercially yeah so forth yeah so he would be up there um god damn man i, I honestly <laughs> as soon as i get thrown these lists i i go nuts i wouldn't even really know where to start i think like a lot of the, um, I have a, a real affinity for a lot of the kind of like duck down stuff. And I know a lot of that mm. aesthetic was a lot of like the, the, you know, evil D and a lot of the beat miners. Mm, um, yeah. so they are definitely among my personal favorites. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. Is that no, no. it's probably more than five already? That's that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, the, I I think we got a, a a good feel of your of your taste and uh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, definitely appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. Zach, is there anything else that we definitely needed uh, to ask? Just like, we... uh, just like I guess sort of one little thing. If you could just say like one sort of 
like what would your best piece of advice be for either upcoming you know like music journalists or people who are interested in podcasting and this sort of the hip-hop scene like what would be your advice for kind of starting out in that world my advice would just be stay curious Mm. Uh, if you are curious and interested in things that will guide you to what you should be doing who you should be talking to what you should be writing about uh what are the things that you do listen to talk to your friends about when there's no pressure right right what are the what are the things that you wonder about uh use those as your low you know your your guiding lights if you will and and just keep exploring yeah well perfect nice. thank yeah. you so much i mean that definitely applies to uh zach and myself so um uh so we're on we're on the right track zach um, <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you thank you guys so much this was this was this was great uh i i had a great time and happy to come back anytime oh yeah definitely right, sweet. Thanks. stay in touch all right thanks so much guys all right, peace. All right sweet peace all right, and that was Sean Sotero and mm-hmm. a wonderful, awesome conversation with him. Like, I, just the fact that we got the chance to do that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, um, he's uh, just such a big name in, in hip hop journalism and in podcasting mm-hmm. specifically. Of course, is great um, to be able to hear about his experiences. It's nice to finally like get the chance to talk with him too because he's kind of one of the reasons why we started doing this in the first place because like yeah definitely you know Um, i remember when we first started talking about starting the podcast i immediately was like yeah we're like let's do sort of a mix between brilliant idiots and the cypher that was sort of our uh approach i i guess so yeah it's it's great to uh to finally talk to him yeah if you liked this episode and you want to check out more, feel free to subscribe to us on, we're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, we're on Mixcloud, um, obviously on our website, check that out. Um, www. <laughs> exactly. It's three W's. <laughs> yeah, www.kingknowledgepodcast.com. Um, also, of course, we're powered by rapanalysis.com now, so you can find us there as well. And um, uh, and make sure to uh, follow us on social media. So Kick Knowledge Podcast on Facebook. um, Of course, Twitter, uh, at Kick Lower Dash Knowledge. And on Instagram, where we are um, at Kick Lower Dash Knowledge Lower Dash Podcast. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right. It was was great talking to you again, Zach. Um, Yeah. So much fun interviewing all these cool people for real man this is crazy definitely um in the words of yes. the great in the words of the great justin hunt it's all happening it's it's all happening yeah definitely um shout out to Justin. we hunt. hope all of you listeners enjoyed this and um yeah come back come back soon check us out we've got a bunch of awesome stuff coming up so peace peace Ask me if I'm trying to acknowledge, 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 acknowledge